When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Roller Roost Podcast. Um, we're going to do this a bit backward this week, just because... Uh, you do everything backward up north. Well, as you can tell, he can't stay off the mic too long, so Jack's actually in the office today, and I'm recording from home as I always am, so we're just going to try and let me take point slightly more, just to, to save Jack speaking so much. But how are you, fella? You all right? No, I don't like this. You're just trying to replace me. I know how it is. First of all, you, f- you started phasing me out of speaking to the opposition. Now you're saying you want to take point as it as it were what's going on to be honest it's your commitment that's um that's the most shocking thing rather than my uh disillusions of grandeur my having um, a bit of a paulinho yeah you've two weeks now you've not even been asked to speak to the people that, that give their good time to come and speak to us so that's i'm, I'm above all that mate i'm above all that talking to talking to plebs that write blogs and all that sort of thing. Not so, for me. Yeah. West Brom and, as you can probably tell, the, the Fulham interview that's coming up I've already recorded is going to be just me again. Um, so I'm only joking, Russ. You're, I, I like Russ. I've got a lot of time for him. He's a very nice man. I yes, don't think indeed. you're a player, Russ. <laughs> you just had to apologise. I did just have to apologise. I've just done a public apology. That's how big we are, mate. We've got to do that. We've got a legal team and everything on the way. We don't have a legal team, do we? We don't. We've got the... A few months that I spent at university doing that, and that's our, that's our legal knowledge between us. I think. Why you? Why didn't you uh, become a lawyer, Raj? Because I was better at journalism. Jesus, you must have been bad at the other one then. Exactly. That's what I was about to say. He took the words out of my mouth. Bit of an easy joke that, but they work. They work. I know they work. Um, how's your work anyway? Speaking of work, you're in the office of people giving you funny looks. Um. They are actually, but it's a bit empty. It has it's been empty all day, to be honest. Um I work on my own. I work. I just make I make my videos, my cringe videos. That's all I do. That's my job. I, I live I'm... off of YouTube ad revenue. When you told me that you were gonna take out office space and hire a task force to help you with the videos, I thought it was a bit much, but <laughs> it's uh it's keeping me in uh it's keeping me in cigars. Fine Cuban cigars and single malt Scotch whiskies. Much as my Time still, um, when I, you know, way back when when I used to be a part of the Fighting Cock team, the money that those boys roll in, um, I'm still still living off the royalties from that as well. So, you know. Me too. Um, the money I made off writing that article for the fanzines helped fund my second university course. And given that uh, it's nine grand a year now, you can do the math yourself. But um, They made millions out of that, <laughs> mate. How do you think... Uh, Ricky keeps going with those uh, train rides from from wherever he lives down to the recording, and all those kids that like he's got so many now. He's got about seven, hasn't he? Well, that's what you get in Asian families. You can't stop. Oh, well, I'm, I'm not going to comment on that one. Um, 
how how does how does Flav sleep at night? I just I don't know. Um, it's, it's overdoses, really. I think. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, I um I asked because I didn't I wasn't sure whether or not you were going to be able to come on because you are in the office. So I did. I asked Spooky, and apparently he has to look after his daughter. Which, you know, that, that's rubbish. He just didn't want to speak to me. Uh, I asked Windy. He just didn't reply. Um, I asked Great. Flav. He said he was at work, which I'm, I'm not sure he works with the money he makes from the fighting cock. So I think that was a lie as well. But we had to settle for you, I'm afraid. Yeah, well, you know, you get, you get, you should have tried Dan Lowe. He's a very, fun. yeah, speaking of Dan Lowe, listen to the fighting cock this week. Just turn this off now. Listen to the fighting cock instead because it's not for Flav or any of those shitters. Listen to it for Dan Lowe and Tim Grigg. Very, very funny men. Very funny men. Um, I've not heard this week yet, but I do, I do look forward to it. Anyway, um, we haven't spoken about TV or about football yet. I, I feel I feel apprehensive talking about Game of Thrones because it's, it's a pretty big one. You could say it's a, 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 a kingly episode of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I mean, I think we'd, um, we'd choke ourselves to death if we, if we gave anything away, um, which I wouldn't want to do. I, d- I don't want this to get any more poisonous than it already has as well. So yeah. that's why I think we should probably move on from the fighting cut stuff. Yeah, so um, what did we have? West Brom 3-all. What did you make of it? Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, wasn't good, was it, mate? No, not all. <laughs> Pretty much something there. Um, we, we were completely all over the shop. I mean, West Brom... What, they scored 26 seconds, was it? Almost beating Ledley's I record. Think so. I, I must admit, I didn't uh, I didn't see the game in the entirety because I was covering another one at the same time. But I did manage to watch the, the highlights later on and it just, it just smacks of there being no prior planning whatsoever. They've been all over Instagram the days beforehand, the social team having a um, an absolute field day with the fact that the team were having these five-a-side little round-robin tournaments instead of doing any sort of tactical training for what was coming up. And um, West Brom took full advantage of it. Pepe Mel was in his element, but they're so unconfident and so bad at defending that we somehow got back into it. Well, I Sessegnon's goal as well. Like the, the first two goals were just bewildering in the respect that Tottenham were just all over the shot. We were literally just all over the place. Yeah. There's no organisation there. It looked like... The team, I, I know it's these old cliches, and I hate kind of speaking in cliches, even though I do consistently. <laughs> um, they all look like strangers. Everyone was all over the place. There was, there was there was nothing cohesive about the team. No one was fighting. No one actually looked like they gave much of a shit. But for the third one, like Sessegnon just literally ran through the middle of the team. I, I, I know he's been injured, and I know he's he's probably lacking a bit of match practice, but... Kirikesh was criminal for that in particular. Um, and apparently so as well. He he came off the pitch and when he did get subbed off, started liking stuff on Instagram or something. Uh, oh, she's it, that much of that. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's a bit weird. And, uh, you don't really get... You, I think what I feel like has been lacking a lot from the team this year, aside for any real kind of like tactical play in the latter half of the season under Sherwood. Um, I think what's been pretty much consistent under under Villas-Boas and with Sherwood is that the team don't seem to have a lot of unity. And I know that can come from bringing in a lot of new players, but you would have hoped that they would have sort of pulled together by now, but it still just seems like 
we're just fragmented that that kind of that spirit we had a few years back when they have the huddle before each game and it felt like it actually meant something now it just feels like it's well this is what Tottenham do but let's just kind of do this it's our job and then kind of fuck off at the end yeah. it just uh, there's no real identity there's no real cohesion. There's there's no real spirit there. I don't think, and we we're we're in the position that we're in because we have very talented footballers. A lot of these players are very talented. Players like Paulinho, he is very talented. Saldado is very talented. You know, um, they they're not poor. I mean, I, I like to lay into Chadley, but he's he's a decent enough player, um, and that's why we're we're managing to still be part of the chasing pack. But as a team, it's just not there. No, I mean, we managed to rescue it in the second half. I think that was just through the players' embarrassment of being 3-0 down more than anything else. But Christian Eriksen has been saying some odd things in the press. What, his secret plan? Yeah, I don't understand what that means. It is a bit weird. It, it, it almost feels like saying, I am open to leaving, but not saying he wants to. But that, of course, that's all just conjecture, and that's me speculating. But that is genuinely what it feels like to me. It feels like a kind of come-get-me play, in a way. Yeah, I don't. I didn't understand that at all, especially after he'd come out and said that he wasn't bothered about the Champions League a couple of days before and as well, so it was just very odd, a very odd comment to make. Maybe he's just had that kind of thing where he's just suddenly realised, shit, I'm actually quite good, aren't I? Because um, I'm, I'm doing all right here and this team I'm playing for probably aren't even as good as Ajax, who I left with the promise of joining a better team. Um so, you know, that it must be a genuine thought going through his head. Yeah, well, yeah, that was about it. I mean, is there Again, anything that else? Again, that is a baseless assumption. I'm good at those. I mean, is there anything else we need to say about that game? Harry Kane scored. Um, oh, yeah, let's, let's touch on Harry Kane and Soldado. Um, I mean, I don't want to be, like, for a start, I don't want to lay into Harry Kane. The lad's 20 years old. And as, as I've said on previous episodes, he's... Uh, He's definitely proved me wrong to a certain extent, but I thought he was just a complete and utter plodder. He's maybe not as much of a plodder as I thought he was. And he had, you know, he's, he's taken his chances well, and he is performing um, to a degree. But is he more talented than Roberto Soldado? I, I don't think you can say that at the moment, can you? No, I think the thing that concerned me the most about it was... Um... People say, no, it's not taken Harry Kane that long to score as many goals from open play as Roberto Saldado this season. But the comparison to me makes no sense whatsoever. Harry Kane scored against two very bad defensive relegation-threatened teams in a point in the season where we've got nothing to play for. And Saldado was playing the main part of his season, the very start, when we were playing teams who had everything to play for. So it's um, a very different um, sort of place to be in, really. And I don't think there's any sort of comparison between the two. But um, that said, um, we've got Russ on from Fulham now, so we'll speak to him. So welcome back to the show, Russ. How are you? I am great. How are you doing today? I'm not too bad, thank you. Um, so I think since the last time we spoke, we've had a few managerial changes on each end. Uh, how's it been being a Fulham fan since around Christmas time? It's been interesting. Uh, to be honest with you, I wasn't ready for the change of manager again a uh, third time because, again, Fulham brought in Rennie Mowenstein. 
And uh, it's funny, when we played Spurs back at Craven Cottage, I thought Fulham played fairly well and, and we're on to something. But uh, I guess uh, Fulham management decided to go in a different direction and they brought in Felix McGath. And uh, he's actually, believe it or not, worked out fairly well. And uh, I now understand why they made the change in manager because uh, Rene was a very good coach. And I'll just say that as a coach, but as a manager... His decision-making on match day was uh, was very questionable, to say the least. And uh, Felix, on the other hand, has surprised us on match day and made some really good decisions. So I do now understand why they made the change, and he's actually put us into position to hopefully stay in the league. Yeah, I think we were one of the, the first teams that played you when Mullenstein had taken over. And you actually you took the lead in that game, I believe. And then we came back, then we was it 2-1. I think it was Holtby who actually scored that one, funnily enough. And uh, shortly after, he came to your club. Um, I think that's a good good enough place to ask how he's been since he's arrived in January on loan. Holtby's been great. Holtby, you know, again, uh, us Fulham fans are just surprised that we were able to get Lewis Holtby and, and why he's not playing for Spurs, to be honest with you. He uh, he really is a class player. The you know the one criticism that I will say about Holtby is uh, some of his crosses aren't quite there on on corner kicks. You know they 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 just don't quite get there. But as an overall player, he is you know he is a serious player and uh, uh, Fulham are lucky to have him right now. He he really hasn't. He hasn't really scored that much, but um, but that's not really what, what his job has been for Fulham. It's to actually be able to create, and he's done that. And um, where's he been playing then? Because there's been, obviously, we keep an eye on him. Several places. Um, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's no places. reason. He's He's been uh, playing behind the main striker. He's been playing in a three, uh, you know, like a three central, central midfield at, at times, that, that hasn't happened that often. He's also played out wide. Uh, to be honest with you, his best role is, is I guess you could say, behind the main striker. That, to me, seems to be the best place to put him where he's most creative. And uh, But, but again, Felix has different plans for him. He moves them all the way around. And uh, But uh, for me, it definitely is right behind the striker. I think one, one of the things that was the reason he'd left Tottenham is obviously he, wouldn't, he wasn't getting the, the playing time he perhaps wanted. And I don't think Tim Sherwood rated him as highly as he did some of the other players. What about yourself? Do you think he's he's good enough for for Tottenham from what you've seen? Absolutely, uh, totally. And uh, and again, like I said, as a as a Fulham fan, we're we're happy to have him. And and again, perplexed that we have him. Put it that way, he is good enough to play for Tottenham. There, there's no question in my mind. And and I know that you have quality players, but I would put him. Up with anyone that you have, including Musa Dembele, who I'm a big fan fan of. I know he's been injured, but uh, I think Holpi is just a player that that still hasn't reached his full potential, and uh, I, I I can only see up for him. I mean, I mean that's the interesting part of his game. I just don't think he's there. He's 100% the player that he's going to be, and uh, yes, he is good enough for for Tottenham. I mean, he's a, he's a handful of years younger than Moose Dembele, and it's interesting that you make that comparison because one of the things I've touted as a, as a possible thing for us to be able to do with him is to play him slightly deeper. Yes. So, you know, in the manner in which we play where, where Dembele is now, where he plays slightly deeper and brings the ball forward, I think that's a role that, that Holtby could adjust to in time. Is, is that something you, you reckon he could do as well? Totally. 
Totally. I, I could definitely see him playing that role. And, and in fact, when he first came to Fulham, I was hoping that was the role that he was going to play. But he's played, he's played a player, he's definitely played fairly more often up the pitch. But I could definitely see him playing a much deeper role. I, I again, that that to me, I think would sit, you know, would would uh, would fit his uh, skill sets very well. Because he's he's quite competitive as well. He'll, he'll put in a foot for a tackle as well. Yes, yes. And listen, he he's the type of player that that his motor's always going. He he is going full throttle the entire match. And that you know, again, for for a Fulham supporter, that's what we wanted to see. Nothing against someone like Dimitar Berbatov, but he's basically the anti Berbatov. If you get where I'm going on that, he's always yeah. on. And. Uh, we're in a relegation battle, and those are the types of players that Fulham need right now. And, and and that's why Hopi has been so valuable, is because there is no downtime for that guy. He's always running. He's always moving. He's in it 100% the entire match. And uh, that's why, you know, that's why, again, his skill might not be where, where it's going to be eventually. Like you said, he's a young player. But if you put him in that role, I, I could see him flourishing in it, honestly. Yeah, um, you had another former Tottenham player as well arriving this summer in Scott Parker. Yes. Um, he's had quite a, an indifferent season in terms of when he's been able to play and not. But um, how's he been when he has has been able to get on the pitch? What's interesting about Parker, under Mullenstein, I would say that Parker quickly became probably the most valuable player out, out there on the pitch because, again, everything seemed to be going through Scott Parker. But, um, but you guys probably know Scott Parker is is a great player. He's, you know, again, a a great, I I guess you could say just someone that, that settles everything down, but going forward, I don't think is his, his, yeah, I guess you could say best attribute and Fulham needed someone that, that was going to be going to be able to create centrally more than Scott Parker does. He settles everything down and and is, and works his socks off. I mean, I mean, he gives you another player who gives you a hundred percent. That's why he's been valuable. But, um, but the situation with Parker, that's interesting. Like you said, he's been hurt. Originally, when he got hurt, when when he would go out, Fulham would be in serious trouble because they, they didn't know how to adjust without Scott Parker. But since Felix has gotten in, he has figured out how to work around that. And they've been able to to, to play fairly well when he has not been there. So, so, so the Fulham are not as dependent now on Scott Parker as they were, I want to say, a month and a half ago. So that's a good thing, but but is he still valuable to Fulham? Absolutely. We you know we need him out there as much as possible. We need his leadership and his work rate. So who would you say is your your most important player at the at time being? Oh boy, that 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 that's actually a great question. I would, um, honestly, right now I would have to say David Stockdale. Believe it or not, right now, as we as we go into these final four matches, he could be our most important player because this has been a situation at, at goalkeeper that has been unsettling. And we talked about this at the, at the beginning of the season, Fulham really missed Mark Schwartz more than we thought. And Martin Stecklenburg, you know, again, has, has wonderful attributes, but honestly uh, hasn't been, hasn't been solid enough to be the number one goalkeeper and um, has made the big mistake when you don't want there to be a mistake. When Stockdale has come in, even just most recently, you can see the confidence in him growing. And uh, he has made some key saves the last two matches that, that, you know, again, everyone's talking about Hugo Rodiega. You could very easily talk about Stockdale, 
you know, being the difference in, in these two last victories, you know, some of these saves have just been incredible. And uh, again, it's all about confidence with Stockton. You could see it building and he, he's now commanding his area where I want to say even a year ago, uh, he, he wasn't that player. And uh, I think maybe the competition with Stecklenburg has fueled him a little bit. And he basically has taken the opportunity that Felix gave him recently and just ran with it. So if you're asking me right now, David Stockdale right now, I think is the most important player on the pitch for Fulham. And that's probably the biggest call McGat's made in his in his time there that he's re he's brought him back into the first team because he was a, a substitute before. Correct. What other um what do you think the the other effects McGat's had on on the team positively? Well, what's interesting about him, and again, we cannot predict. I'm being honest with you. I cannot predict from match to match his starting eleven. I can't predict which formation he's going to use. His unpredictability is, I guess you could say, one of his uh, strengths because, again, the the opposition does not know what to expect from Fulham. And I'll say that even even going into this match, I, I'm not exactly – I have an idea of what he's probably going to do, but without Holpe, it kind of opens things up to what he might do. I mean, it's just it, – what's interesting is I we always look at the starting 11. We, we do a segment on my show, Cottage Talk, where, where we now have to try to predict the surprise. Because there's usually one or two surprises in the lineup. There's usually one or two surprises coming off the bench. And and uh, a huge surprise last week was that he completely changed the formation against Norwich. It didn't work. He actually went with three in the back. That was a complete utter surprise. It didn't work. But 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 to his to his credit, his decision making and being able to make adjustments, it has been his strength. He changed the formation. Uh, the, the announcer said three times in the first half and finally got it right. So so for me, what, what Felix has brought has, it, I, I guess you could say, this experience to be able to be a real manager, to make changes, to be able to use the entire squad. You know, he uses everyone. And that, to me, is a huge strength. The diff, a major difference between him and Rennie. I really liked Rennie. I thought Rennie, you know, I still think Rennie has a chance to be a really good manager, but he is just not there yet. He's not the finished product as a manager. He's still, I guess you could say, a head coach, a training ground coach. McGat is a real manager. McGat is a thinking man. He's trying to think one step ahead of the other manager. That's what that's what makes him fascinating is it's, it's really like, like the match within the match. He's trying to outthink what the other manager's going to do he he makes halftime adjustments he he brings in players off of the bench like like to start the second half against Aston Villa the um he changed the formation to start the second half he made two impact substitutes and the match completely changed in the second half against Aston Villa when he brought in Dejega and he brought in Rodega everything changed the first half was just going back and forth but there was no flow to it Everything changed in the second half, and McGat's ability to make those changes it has been key for Fulham. Well, there's that statistic, isn't there, that in the history of the Premier League, nobody's used as many players throughout the squad as, as Fulham have this year. Correct. You've, you've brought in players like Carly Woodrow, who was playing in, at South End a few weeks ago, and now he's in the Premier League, and that's you know more than a few leagues that he's had to jump up there. 
Um, so it's you know there's, there's been jarring decisions such as that. But while we're on the topic of managers, we've obviously swapped a manager in in that time frame as well. Um, from from AVB to Tim Sherwood. I'm just wondering from from an outsider looking in, what's your perception of that decision? And is there any sort of are you more confident playing Tottenham now without AVB? Or are you 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 just as big a prospect? Well. You know, it, it's funny because I, I didn't quite understand the situation when, when it was made. You know, again, I, I got to be honest with you, I, I was a fan of AVB going, going back a few years and, and didn't think he got a great chance at the, uh, at the other club in Fulham. I can't, I can't say the C word, to be honest with you, because, uh, because we have a rule on my show. If anyone says the C word, we, we, uh, I donate a pound to the Fulham FC Foundation. So I can't I can't mention that about AVB, but but with your club, I don't know why why it didn't work. I mean, uh, you know, obviously um, a change was made and a change to someone that that knows the club much better than than AVB does. I I, I guess that was the thinking, but um, it almost seems similar to the situation with with Mullenstein, where you don't have a proven manager. I'm talking about in the Premier League or or in one of the top leagues. Uh, leading you and and maybe that maybe that's what's going on with Sherwood he he knows what he has he knows he knows Tottenham but but does he know how to make those big decisions that I'm not sure about yeah um so do you think that Magat could outsmart him tactically then well you know what I mean you know again nothing against Sherwood but but he's certainly going to try you know he's certainly you know he he, he he's going to have a game plan and uh you know and that you know and again that's what that's what makes him so interesting compared to some other some other full managers because one of the complaints that we've had is that you know we want to you know we want your starting 11 we want like like in the Roy Hodgson days when when you could guarantee this was your starting 11 no injuries this was your starting 11 and that's just not how this guy works he's thinking about the opponent and he's thinking, how can I best beat the opponent and not worry so much about the players that he has? He's looking for weaknesses. And so, so, so yes, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that, that he can do that to Sherwood, but I think he's certainly looking for ways to take advantage of, uh, of uh, Tottenham's weaknesses. Whereas in matches, you know, in full managers in the past, I think it would be more about getting, getting the best starting 11, you know, what the manager thought of, was the best starting eleven? Felix seems to be looking more at what's best in beating the actual opponent. If that makes sense. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, another um, similarity between the two clubs is there's been a few questions raised over both of our owners so far. I mean, uh, well, rather than owners chairman in our case with Daniel Levy yep. and Shahid Khan. Um, what's your impression of him being since his time at the club? Because he's made quite a few bold changes and some of them haven't worked and. This one luckily is for you. So, what's your impression of him so far? Well, you know what? It's 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 funny because because when um, when Shai Khan came, first came in over the summer and decided to stick with with uh, Marignol, you know, I think you know again, I was thinking about that's the right decision to make, you know, because again, you know, he, he needs to assess Marignol. It, it would be, I think, a little bit unfair to. To fire, you know, to fire or or sack uh, Marignol once Shai Khan took over. So he gave him some time, and the way that that Khan, Khan's reputation is basically giving, you know, giving a manager or, or you know, in, in the NFL, he gave his he gave his head coach a year. 
to to basically prove himself and it didn't work out. But as we know, the Barclays Premier League and NFL are completely different sports, different different leagues, and you have to handle them differently. And and I think, you know, again, I think he was trying to give Martin as much time as he could, uh, but but realized that that he needed to make a switch. So he switched to to Molenstein and uh you know, again, looking back at it now, it probably wasn't the right decision. Probably he should have went to Felix right from the get-go. But again, he he's a new manager. He's listening to, you know, people advising him. And I think, you know, again, they were going for someone that had already been there, which was Moulinson. He had just gotten there. But again, I think they were just looking to to make a switch with someone that, that at least was familiar. This was going completely against that going to to Felix and you know again I give him credit for making the move because I was not in favor of this at the time but he's he's now looking like he made the right decision because uh you know my complaints about Mullenstein were decision making and now you're seeing someone making proper decisions and so so I guess you know I I guess listen he made the right decision he's learning on the fly a lot's going in to this first season for, for a new, you know. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Again, three new three managers, and you're talking about a brand new owner. He's learning. He's learning the Barclays Premier League the hard way. So I guess a step back should have been. You know, I should have been thinking more that that there might be a step back. But if we can get through this, I think this is a great learning experience from him. I, I'm not. You know. I, Again, I'm I'm pretty positive about Khan, honestly, because I think Khan's Khan's plans for the future are positive because I think he wants Fulham to be uh, you know, again, let's say we survive. I think he you know, at some point wants Fulham to be a top ten side in the Barclays Premier League and to be able to be comfortable there. I mean, we're we're certainly not there. I think his vision is um is is a positive one. So so I'm not, you know, again. I understand what's going on. We're just trying to survive right now, and and, and I think the move to McGap was was all about survival. And uh, he's learning, and and 
And the one thing that I've learned about owners in other sports is, is that you got to give them a chance to learn, to make their mistakes. I guess you could say, it, you know, you find out how good an owner is, is have they learned from their mistakes and be able to move on from that? I guess we'll find out from, from Mr. Khan. I think one of the other puzzling things about him as well has been not just his on-field um the people exchange in terms of the, the management on the field and, and dealing with the players day to day, but in the infrastructure as well, there's been hiring such as Alan Kirbishley. Yes. And I'm not even sure whether or not he's at the, the club anymore. Can you shed some light on he, what his role was supposed <laughs> to be? He's not. Uh, Kirbishley and, and, and Wilkins uh, left when, uh, when uh, Rennie Mullenstein left. And uh, I gotta be honest with you, that was probably, that was a strange situation because uh I truly believe if Kerbishley and and Wilkins did not come to the club, I think Rennie Mullenstein would still be at Fulham because uh, this is a situation and things came out after after all three left that um, Mullenstein was listening a great deal to these other two guys. And, you know, again, he wasn't, you know, again, this is just, this is just my theory. My theory was he wasn't making, making his decisions. He was basing, you know, again, it wasn't someone that was really in control, wasn't the number one voice. He needed to be that number one voice. And when those two other very high-profile voices in there, there, there was just too many cooks. So it really it really spoiled things. And honestly, against Spurs, we really saw we saw what we what we thought was the future. We saw we saw this this uh this uh triangle in the middle in, in the central midfield that worked really well. Well, what happened was when he brought in, when he brought in Kerbersley and Wilkins, some reason he went away from that, and I could only, you know, I, I can only just think that 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 the other two guys had some kind of influence in this because all of a sudden, what was working, he was he was trying to change, he was trying to change things all the time, and I, you know, again, you know, I do like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, I mean, I mean, McGacko's completely against that because he's completely changing things. But in the case of Rennie, it was really working. And, uh, you know, again, we had this match against Villa at home where it just worked. And then in the very next match, he went away from it. And uh, and he kept going away from it. And we never saw it again. We never saw this triangle in the middle. And uh, I just think that, that Kerbersley and uh, and uh, Ray Wilkins were his his downfall. I hate to put it that way. Yeah, um, I think another person who I'm not even sure is at the club anymore or, or what's going on there is Costas Matrogalu, <laughs> who's, who's who seems to be your version of Eric Lamella, where yeah. you've, you've bought him for a significant amount of money and then you've not really seen much of a return on it on the field or you're not even sure where he is at the moment. Wow. So yeah. can, you, can you really tell us what's going on there as well? Because there's, there's issues with his fitness, I've heard. Well, um, the reason I heard, again... Um, um, Felix just had had his presser, and and he said he's he's still working back to fitness. When he came to Fulham, we we had uh, we had heard that that Costas Mitroglou was um, was dealing with an injury back in December, but 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 was still playing for Olympiacos, but was dealing with something, and and uh, you could tell when he came to us that he was not fully fit, and uh, he came on as a substitute against against West Brom. Hugo Rodiega started and played very well. And he took him off for Mitroglou and actually Fulham, Fulham's play when it was, you know, again, you could say it's irony or what, 
definitely went down when when Rodiega went off and Mitragalu came on because he just he again just didn't seem like he was ready to play yet. And then and then he played against a, he played against Cardiff and again he you could see the ability, but he, but again he he didn't seem like he was he was at match fitness yet. And uh, and and then you know again us fans were were thinking you know he's going to work work himself into fitness. And uh, then, then, uh, then an oppressor, you know, I, I want to say shortly after that, Felix mentioned that he had picked up a fresh injury. This is a fresh injury he picked up in training and has not been heard from since. And like I said, all, all that we know is what Felix has told us, that he is still getting back to fitness. And uh, hopefully, and this is hopefully, will be available for the last last three matches and some, you know, hopefully at some point we'll, we'll still play for Fulham. But yes, it's been, I guess you could say it's been a little bit of a nightmare considering how much money they spent on him. But, um, but what's interesting is that, is that now we've seen the emergence of a player taking advantage of the opportunity, like Hugo Rodiega scoring two goals in the last two matches. You know, again, there, there is no Metroglou, you know, they, they've been using Collie Woodrow and all of a sudden you have someone like, like, uh, like Hugo picking up the slack, which is a good thing to see. You've got Darren Bent as well. Yes. Is he, is he, does he just not contribute anymore? <laughs> well, what's interesting? It's it's funny you mentioned Darren Bent because because I'm trying I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to trying to predict, you know, a shocker for for our upcoming match uh, surprise, and I think Darren Bent might be a surprise at White Hart Lane. Don't know if he's going to start, but I just heard the presser. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. The video that that the club releases from uh, from Felix, and he mentions Ben, and you know, and, and it just, and I'm trying to read between the lines. He's just talking a little bit about about Ben. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if we see him in some kind of role at, at, uh, against uh, against your club. And what's interesting about Ben, he is another fitness issue. Uh, I don't think he's been fit since he came to us, and 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 that's been a problem. You can just tell he's just. He still has, you know. Again, he, he he can still score goals, but I think I think not being fit has actually caused him not to score the goals that he once did. Meaning he's had several situations to score, and his finishing isn't what it once was. And uh, I'm hoping that we see, you know, see the old Darren Ben in the last three or four matches if he does play. And like I said, I just got the sneak the sneaking suspicion you might see him on Saturday. Well, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see an old Tottenham player score against us because I think <laughs> the look our, we've got at our club, it, it seems like uh, it seems just about right, to be honest. Um, I think one of the most surprising things about Fulham was at the start of the year with the business you were doing and the players you had, the flair players with Berbatov yeah. and Tarapt. Um, the fact that you've gone full circle now and you, you've gone from a flair side to quite a, a hard-working, gritty side... Um, I don't understand how you've, from all that promise of playing good football, you've you've come to this sort of area. What, what do you think the biggest problem was that started this this problem for you at the start of the year? Was it was it was it Martin Yole or was it the aging squad? It was the aging squad for me. It was you know again he he brought in these players that that uh you know again if you got them even a few years younger I I I don't know if. Uh, if Fulham would be in the situation that they were in, you know, you're talking about a player like Scott Parker, you, you know, again, he's 33 years old, you know, Darren, Darren Ben comes in is not the same player yet. And, uh, you know, on paper and, and, and that's the key on paper. It looked great. It did. 
It looked great. We have, like I said, Berbatov, Tarat, and the issue, the issue that the issue that Mario also had is, is having these players. He couldn't figure out how to make it all fit. So part of it is on Yo because he brought in all these different flyer players that just couldn't fit together. And uh, you know, and, and again, that that's that's part of the undoing. But but age is definitely a factor as well. But but in the case of you know, and I'll use Tarat. Tarat showed us you know glimpses of the player that that he can be. But uh, you know, Fulham Fulham still missed uh, you know th- this this player, and you have him, and we still talk about him all the time. Musa Dembele, Fulham have not been the same since they lost Musa Dembele. If you really want want to go to, to where Fulham's problems started, it was losing Moussa Dembele to Spurs. Uh, it's going to be almost two years ago. That's when everything started to head downward because they never replaced him. They never found that player, that, you know, that creative central midfielder, and it has really hurt them. And, you know, I get, you know it, wasn't, it wasn't just him. They also, the loss of Dempsey. You know, we're now finding how valuable Mohamedou Diara was at, at the time. They lost all of these players, you know, and, and it really it really hurt. And the fact that, that we now have Diara back actually has has been a huge help because again, you know, if if Diara was able to play more last season, I think they could have, you know, you know, they could have the loss for, for Dembele wouldn't have been so so hard, but but losing Diara, you know, again for, for most of last season and you lose Dembele, and you lose Dempsey, it all started to add up. And then you go, you know, then you start the season. And, and again, they still have not replaced these players. And I'll throw Danny Murphy in there as well. It's like all these players left at the same, you know, around the same time Then you have the injury to Diara. You know, the problems for Fulham started, I'm being honest, started a year prior. And and they just all came, they all came to roost at, you know, at the beginning of the season. It all looked good on paper. But it was, you know, I hate to say it, it was a little bit of a mirage. Yeah, I think to end, I'll, I'll let the last question go to my co-host Jack, who's who sent this in via Twitter. He says, um, "Do you think getting rid of the Michael Jackson statue has cursed you?" <laughs> no, no, no. I am honestly, I am glad that it's gone. I got sick and tired of answering that question. Every interview that I did, I would be asked about the statue. I don't think it's. I don't think it, it has cursed us. I, I don't believe that at all. I, you know, uh, I actually think it was the uh, one of the best things that Shotgun did was getting rid of the statue. I don't think it's a curse. Where's it gone? Um, I you know again I've heard different things. I've heard I heard rumors that Martin Yol might be taking it. I've heard I've heard I've heard rumors that it might be going into a museum. You know, I'm I'm actually not sure to be honest with you. It might have been better use than some of your players earlier on this season, though, on the field. Uh, to be honest with you, you're probably right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, it was really, I mean, the first part of the season was was rough, and and you're talking about the way, you know, the the way that things changed. And and listen, it hasn't made it any easier when when uh when you're reminded of uh, Dimitar Berbatov scoring in Monaco and and Tarad scoring scoring for Milan. It hurts, but. Uh, but honestly, those players weren't weren't giving us enough, and uh, I'm not. You know, I think I think they're better for it that that they moved on, and and Fulham are better are, are better that they have moved on. You know, I mean, like you said, we've we've completely changed. We're now 
I hate to put it, we're just a grinding team right now. You know, um, you know, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to light it up. We're not going to score four to five goals. We're going to really grind out results. But, um, but what's interesting, the one thing that hasn't changed, because I, I was asked this, you know, would they go, go like to White Hart Lane to, to just get a point? I'd be happy with a point. I got to be honest with you. I'd be happy with a point at, at you know, on, on Saturday. I don't think that's going to be the mentality of Felix at all. I think he's going to win. And, uh, you know, and one, one interesting thing that I, that I, you know, that I just read, I believe it was on London24.com. He, he's already consulted with Holpe on, on, on your team, you know, you know, you know, trying to pick up things from him, what, what he learned at his time in Spurs, which I find interesting. I guess he did that with, with Johnny Heitinger as well with, with Everton, you know, again, he's, he's trying to take in as much inf- information as he can to, uh, you know, to, th- th- to find the proper strategy to, to beat your club on Saturday. So I admire that. But I, I, I also find it interesting that he was open to the fact that he had gone to Holpe to try to find find him on ways on, on how to beat Spurs. Yeah. Well, just to end then, as is tradition, um, what do you think the your score prediction is for the weekend? Oh, I haven't even really, really given this much thought, to be honest with you. But um, my heart says, my heart says 1-1. My head says one nil to you. That's perfect then. All right. Thanks very much for your time then. Not a problem, guys. Thanks to Russ for coming on again. Jack, you're back with me now. The magic of editing. That's amazing. How do the the, the wonders of modern technology? Yep. Um, I mean, we can't talk about the interview because you weren't there, but it was, it was a pleasure and it was nice to hear him speak so warmly about Lewis Holt. Does he speak more warmly of Lewis Holtby than the young lady that sent the pictures of Lewis's genitals to the press? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think they're leaked yet, have they? <laughs> what? Lewis's genitals haven't leaked yet? I don't know. I can't. <laughs> I didn't mean it in that fashion, but I have been Googling on a daily basis and I've not seen anything. Lewis Holtby's leaking genitals. Um, uh, and Lewis Holtby's cock and balls is what I'm using. There's a thought. Is it, but I, I thought someone had seen it because I, I heard... Wasn't it you telling me that the the view as well is what's weird about it? Like he's taken it from like an ant's view, so it's like he's looking down at the camera, and it's like from underneath his ball no, bag. It definitely wasn't me, but I would have. I, I definitely want to see these photos. Well, um, for research purposes entirely. Do you, but... do, you, do you want him back next year, mate? Lewis Holby. In a sexual manner or a footballing one? In a in a footballing one. Well, in both manners, I do actually. But yeah, I, of course I do. Um, I think he's, as, as I discussed with Russ, I think he's got a role to play. Um, I've said previously, I want to drop him deeper and play him next to Sandro because he's he's got enough about him to be putting tackles in. He's got enough about him to be. He's got the energy to take the ball forward and play it about a, a bit more expansively than perhaps um, Dembele does in that similar role. Um, so I want to give him a chance. Um, he's shown at Fulham that. The pressure doesn't really get to him. He thrives on it, if anything, and he's really proven himself there. They kind of they become reliant on him already, and if if we're lacking passion and pressure, then uh, he's an ideal candidate. I almost feel like we could probably get more from selling Dembele on than we could Holtby at the moment. Yet, I think Holtby could potentially offer a lot more to our team than Dembele does, if that makes sense. Well, Dembele has his moments. He was one of our most important players last season, but... Um, 
he's been troubled. He always has these niggly injuries that seem to crop up every couple of weeks. You know, he never seems to be fully fit, which never helps. Um, but hope he's not somebody I'd, I'd want out of our squad whatsoever. He could have done a job several times since he's been out on loan for us. He could have done. I mean, would you, do you do you envisage him playing alongside someone like Bentaleb or in place of Bentaleb? Um, I'd play him in place of personally because uh, I think he's a, he's got a lot more going forward than Bentaleb has shown, and not not to detract from him or anything. There's a, a good number of years between them and a lot of experience, so you'd expect Holtby to be the the more complete player at this stage. But I definitely want him in there. Um, I just think he's. It's a waste to have let him go so soon. Um, I think it was mismanaged his situation in January. Had we had we managed him as a person better, I think he would have likely stayed and helped us because he obviously is one of those players that enjoys being part of something. And he was he was a big person in the change room as well. You always saw him going out golfing with everyone. He just seemed to be one of those unifying characters, which won't have helped when he went. I think they're probably like. Again, another basis assumption, but you get the impression there was some kind of fallout, don't you? Something, yeah. I mean, there was some sort of discussion there. I don't think you'll have taken too kindly to AVB going because there seemed to be some sort of understanding between the two of them. Uh, he'd been playing well whenever he'd got the chance this season. I mean, I remember that game away at Aston Villa in the Carling Cup where he pulled uh, pretty much every string he could have done. Mm. And those Europa League group games, which don't amount to much, but he was playing very well in those. And there was one game where I think it was Southampton away in in Sherwood's very first game, where he played in a central two with Ericsson, the pair of them together, where they were both very good with each other. And you know the touches between those two are something that going forward I'd want to build on. Um, I, I yeah, I really like Holby, and I think you know you. You, you you can't be too quick to to write off a young international um, who has shown in the Premier League that he can, you know, he can cut the mustard, as it were. And people also forget, you know, he's, he hasn't actually been here that long. You know, he's, st- he's still adjusting um, and he should be given more time to do so. And I think he's he's shown at Fulham that he can operate very well even in a, even in a kind of average team. Um what about like we we kind of touched on it at the start of the show? Um, Harry Kane, would you be happy seeing him as our kind of third choice striker going into the new season? I think we we definitely need a new striker in summer. Um, but would you be happy to have Soldado Kane and one other, or would you rather completely? Yeah, I think I think that's the best case scenario at this stage. I think Adibayo will leave for one reason. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming Adebayo's leaving. Sorry, that's I should probably also mention the caveat. I think it's yeah. It's pretty obvious that he's going to go, though, I think, really. Well, I can't see <laughs> us paying... Because that, that clause in his contract comes in, doesn't it, where he's, where we'd have to end up paying his 200 grand a week as well now. Yeah, if you had the choice, though, between him and Soldado, and it was you who was making the sell, which one would you do? Um, It's tough, but... If I had to say, just be, for the reasons we've said previously, I think... It would have to be Adebayor that goes. If just because he's slightly older on higher wages, and you never know how he's going to get on with the next management team. I think he's. I think he is a more talented player than Soldado. Though I do think he is on his on his day. Um, I don't think we've really seen Soldado's day, but I think Adebayor has got a lot more to his game um, than Soldado does. But I think Soldado is potentially a, a much less divisive figure, and also someone that. 
you know, I think he's kind of shown that he can handle being left out of the team a bit more than Adebayor can. And, you know, we've, we've spoken enough about Adebayor in previous episodes. Um, yeah. Sell the bastard. <laughs> I, don't, I quite like him, but sell him. Yeah. Well, um, if, I'm t- if I was to push you for a scoreline this weekend against Fulham, what would you, what would you say? Um, they've, you know, I think we've, we've got to be beating them, really. I, I'm, I'm going to say 2-0 to Spurs. I reckon we'll we'll actually go behind, to be honest, and it's whether or not we'll come back. So I'm, I think it might be one one or two two, because they've they've won the last two now on the bounce, and they seem to be finding some sort of form. And um, as Russ was saying to me, Darren Bent looks like he might get a sniff. So you know, it's our sort of luck being Tottenham that an old player is going to come back and score against us. Mm, yeah, maybe. Fuck him. I hate Darren Bent. Honestly, I couldn't stand him when we had him. and I couldn't stand it. After we sold him, and I had all these sort of Chelsea and Arsenal fans be like, ah, you sold Darren Bent, and look how many goals he's scoring. It's like, but he scored goals for Spurs. He's just the most limited, boring striker that I've ever seen. Oh, God. Oh. He was um, he was at our top scorer one season, I remember that. Yeah, um, that's how bad we were one year. He's uh, just Darren Bent, like. No, no, not for me. Um, do you, yeah. it's, uh, if we just to go on to sort of football more broad, it was a good night for, for our lads in, in Madrid last night, wasn't it? Sir Gareth scored yeah, a decent I, um, goal. I, uh, I tweeted this morning a photo of uh, him and Modric holding the Copa del Rey together and uh, a YouTube link to uh, every breath you take by Sting and the Police. Um which just about summed it up. I mean, his goal was fantastic and Modric was outstanding. It, it, Modric hit the bar about two minutes before Bale scored that goal and those two have such a bromance going on over there. This, Modric looks to have completely helped integrating him and settle him into the city. They seem to spend as much free time together as possible, um, which is nice. I mean, Modric is slightly older, so he'll be helping him you know, join the club and everything like that. So it's it's nice to see that. And it, it, it almost makes me think, though, that like when they were both at Spurs together, they must have gotten on. And because they were both obviously two of our better players, you can imagine that there were times when, you know, when they were going out to Nando's together or to China Whites or something, when they're probably like, this lot of shit, aren't they? Like, I cannot wait till like a bigger team buys me because... This lot of problem. They've just got that knowing smile amongst themselves, where they're just like, you know, those pictures of them holding the cup and stuff, where they're just like, for anyone like for any Spurs fans that were doubting that we were doing the wrong thing or whatever, th- this is this is why we left to to do this. I don't know. It just it makes me quite sad. It makes me quite sad, and it does it does make me quite bitter towards the players. To be honest, I do think they could have probably given us a bit more, but you know, hey ho. Yeah, I don't think they they think the same way whatsoever. I don't. No, of course not. But you know, there you go. Um, as well, Everton look like they fucked it, don't they? <laughs> you just trying to depress me now, mate. It was. I don't know if you saw my little picture I tweeted out where it was like, oh, did you? God is a gooner because it's just like that one night. Those two doing that, Crystal Palace beating Everton at Goodison, and then just thinking. We've got Les Ferdinand and Tim Sherwood in charge. Wow. It's not fun, that. No words. No words, Roger Baines. You're usually a man of many words, and there you're a man of none. So Yeah, it's just 
the image of those two really kind of just stuns me to silence. It's I, anyway. I mean, yeah, but Everton have fucked it. Um, Liverpool have won the league. It's all gone to hell. Liverpool. I don't. I don't think Liverpool will win it. I think Chelsea will win it now. Oh, well, that's no better, is it? No, I think it's slightly less of an evil. Do you think so? Yeah, just because I'm used to their fans being. And that it, it feels fine. fake and, as well. I know. Yeah, and if if Liverpool win it, then I can't stand them. To be honest, I mean, you see them all the time. They're crawling around, especially around our end up here, the wrong side of Pennines for me. They're crawling around in their full kits, and they're all happy in that, and I can't be doing with it. Oh, mate, at the moment as well, like you're just going around London, there's suddenly an abundance of Liverpool kits all over the place as well. They've all kind of sprung out again. They've dusted off their circa 2002-2003 kind of Liverpool jerseys. Jerseys? What the fuck am I saying? Um, and they're wearing them again. But- well, like, yeah, they all seem to be a fan base of the generation above mine, just like when, obviously coming towards the tail end of when they were the biggest side in the country and then before Man United took over, my childhood was Man United taking over and they're all glory fans from the, the period before when it was all Liverpool. It's a... Uh, it's- I think the, I don't know, the other thing I struggle with, and Spooky quite rightly called it, just to reference Fighting Cock again, um, a little bit of it's jealousy as well. You can't help but feel that, you know, that's what we, this is the season when we were supposed to be doing what they're doing. Um, But we haven't done. But, you know, there you go. Just shows you that it is possible and also makes it more painful that we've kind of fucked up those opportunities quite a few times in the past. Yeah, but we've never had a racist spearhead in our side, so... No, we haven't. There's always that. We haven't, and long may it continue. Because, yeah, would you, given his time, would you take him now, Luis Suarez? Suarez, no. No. Not a chance. Wouldn't want him in the... Like, I don't know. Something's bigger than winning football matches for me. Of course, yeah. Um, but there we go. Um, so, I think... To wrap it up, um, yeah, I reckon if, so. If you want to listen to previous episodes of Rule the Roost, you can via iTunes. Just search this on the website spursstatman.com, which has got all sorts on it. Uh, there'll be a preview and business like that this week. Um, when I can be bothered putting it up, um, where else can you listen? You can listen on Buzzsprout. If you just Google Rule the Roost podcast, I think probably the only thing that pops up there. So. <laughs> Yeah, but we're that big these days. You can have a listen there. Um, follow us on Twitter. Uh, Jack, uh, the other Jack, Boss Jack, uh, at Spurs Statman, follow us too. It's essentially anything that's slightly libelous that we don't want attributing to our own names we put on the Rule the Roost account. That's that's not what I do. Um, and that's RTRSSM. And then if you our individual accounts are on there, if you want to suffer through that as well, I can't be asked remembering what those are. See, that's it. Go away. That's about it, isn't it? End. The end. Joffrey dies. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.